Doot, doot, doot. Okay. It's woken from its slumber. How's mine? Uh, yeah. Looks good. Oh, yeah. I mean, from my angle. I think it's official. The angle of the dangle. Is adversely proportional to the heat of the meat. Remember that? Damn. Yeah, yeah that's good. Well, that's... I mean, that's from almost 30 years ago, Mark. Beavis and Butthead. But you can't forget. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Lyrics to Go, the podcast where we take a deep dive into lyrics that are questionable at best, but have largely dodged public ridicule until now. I'm Mark, and I'm here with Seth. How are you, Seth? So much, so much is 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 to anticipate. So much coming up. So much that's going. We can be excited for. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's uh, Mark. What are we gonna do after July? Um, oh, it's going to be like getting off a cruise ship, man. It's going to be, uh, you know, we're going to, uh, I would guess we're going to rally up some songs yeah. during um, Police Pearl. Mm-hmm. Um, still working on a fourth song, one that I want to float by you after recording. Yeah, I have. Uh, actually, I, I was going to bring it up when I first got here about how we're going to approach this like the first two episodes. We'll be talking about that afterwards. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a blast, but I am I am looking forward to listening to and tackling some police um you and i have both we're coming off a week of car troubles <laughs> um actually my my troubles have stretched all the way back to the uh frankie goes to hollywood episode they mm-hmm. just they just they seem to compound one after the other however i think it's all been taken care of as of this afternoon we put on a brave face for you listeners when we come in here and we try to make it sound like everything's okay but sometimes like uh like our good friends in the My Chemical Romance, we're not okay. We got some we got some problems going on. Getting here late uh, because of truck troubles or long weeks or coming here fresh off of fixing your truck like Seth is today again again. Um, but it's all worth it when we sit down to discuss songs such as Marcy's Playgrounds. Sex and candy. It feels weird to say Marcy's Playgrounds. I like to think we're going to sack up and deal with this one. Yeah. 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 Um, um, it's, uh, well, what's your, uh, so this is, this hits a sweet spot with both of us. Yes, I think it does, as, as far as uh, chronologically. Yes. Yeah. Uh, because this is a, uh, this is a quintessential 90s song. I think a lot of people think of, when they think of the 90s, this is probably one of the first 10 songs that pops up in their head maybe fair assessment. um came out from their 1997 self-titled debut album um considered post grunge um so 90s without the uh the grungeness um at a time where i think the world was kind of fed up with grunge maybe to an extent do you know much about the band marcy's playground i know a little um do you know what was that song that did Marilyn Manson, come around. We'll oh, new radicals! Answer. The new radicals. I'm sorry. When whenever I think of get what you give, get what you give. Whenever I think of post grunge, mm-hmm. I think of those lyrics and Absolutely. how they're completely tired. And uh, Seth, you couldn't be more spot on. That's that is, what I'm. That is the anti. Like that is the post grunge. Don't song. give up. I, I just cannot, uh, and I cannot stand that fucking. Song. I don't like that song at all, man. And the guy that sang it, he did this. I want to be the. I, it was like a. A, a, an MTV video, or I mean, news 
interview where they were like, he was like, I don't want to have anything to do with the first half of this decade. I don't want to, I don't want to be that guy that moans and complains about everything. And I was like, great, grand. These people are working through some shit, you know, let them do it. And if you don't want to, don't fucking listen, don't complain. I mean, you're still just complaining and you're purporting to not complain, but I don't think we get that out of the band that we're about to talk about. No. I don't think so. I don't think there's a lot of complaining going on. No, I mean, I don't but think But it's definitely so not got the tone of, say, 1992 to it, you know? It's, it's a little yeah. more light. It's, um, you know, it kind of reminds me of, uh, it's it's got some weird... <sighs> the the singer the the main songwriter and singer singer uh, John Wozniak, um, no relation to, to Steve Wozniak. I was I gonna don't say. believe. I, I hold on before you say another word. I think a little analogy just popped into my head. Marcy Playground is to Nirvana as yeah, you're. By the way, I apologize. I was saying Marcy's Playground because I always thought that was the band name, but the, it, it, is, it Marcy. is Marcy Playground's mm. Sex and Candy. Marcy Playground is to Nirvana as Bread or America is to Leonard Skinner to the Allman Brothers. Mm. You know, it, it just, by the end of the 70s, it lightened up a little bit. That's kind of an analogy that I thought could be drawn. But what were you going to say? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut into into your time there. I don't remember anymore. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, no, it's okay. I'm, I'm glad you were able to get that in. Oh. Um, but uh, a lot of people making uh, references to... Um, this song in particular, I, I can't speak much about their other stuff because I know you usually will do a deep dive into the band's past work, etc. You were uh, listening to some uh, pre-Maroon 5 uh, earlier. I don't usually Paris take flowers. that. Yeah, I usually yeah. don't take that kind of a, uh, a, a deep dive into the past music of some of these bands because, frankly, I just don't, I don't care a whole lot um, to do that. But I know that I read something where someone described this as being uh, pavement sounds like Sister Hazel by comparison. <laughs> um, <it's kinda laughs> by comparison. That, yeah. Yeah. Thank it's, God they said that. Yeah. It's it's got that kind of like slacky, um, you know, just kind of weird, surreal um, feeling going on. And uh, I've never been a fan of it. I was in a band, uh, my first true band that I was in. Um, with like members and playing drums with a with a bunch of people where there was a singer routine practices was a band called yes was a band called 29 steps oh yeah and um when we lost our guitarist uh mike uh moved over guitar uh moved over to guitar and we got a bassist who was a grown-ass man while we were all you know 18 17 um and his name was dean but everybody called him dino he had a tattoo of dino the dinosaur from uh the flintstones (laughs) and one of his claims to fame was that he was shortly for a small period in marcy playground Hmm. i don't know that's such a weird thing to make up so i'm guessing it's true i'm guessing it's not because they have a comprehensive list of past members yeah, I don't I mean, I think it might be one of those things where it's like he played a show with them or something like right. maybe in a very early iteration. Might have carried in an amp or something. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this band is uh, from Minneapolis um, or are they from Minneapolis? Yes, they okay. are from Minneapolis. Yes. Yeah. Marcy Open Grade School in Minneapolis uh, where John Wozniak uh, went as a child. He named it Marcy Playground because a lot of the songs heralded back to his childhood. 
um, and had tons and tons of influences that you would probably expect from, uh, you know, someone growing up at that time, Pink Floyd, um, Sid Barrett in particular, mm. um, uh, the Beatles, of course, Jimi Hendrix, uh, and uh, Nirvana, which apparently this song was compared to a lot, including people thinking that this was a Nirvana song, I guess maybe in like the Napster craze. Mm. There were a lot of people that are under the impression that this was a Nirvana song, which I think is preposterous. I do too. Even though the song came out after Kurt Cobain had killed himself or was murdered. By at least three years, yeah. Um, what is your, uh, what is your history with this song and with this band? Working in cabinet shops, 1990s radio comes on 99 X local alternative station. That was what they called it back then. I think now these days they refer to it as alternative gold. Um, that's what they call it. That's yep. what they call, you know, Pearl Jam and, 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 and seven Mary three and stuff like that. Um, it would come on the radio and I would be unimpressed and did not care. Uh, while I was at work, and I did not have the option of cranking up the old Spotify or a um, or a, a mixtape, so to speak, so I had to just turn on the radio, and we had to listen to what everybody else listened to. And if it wasn't country music, which at the time I actually preferred less modern country uh, at that time than I do now, um, I I, uh, I I didn't really care. Um, which is, I think we've been over this a hundred times. The the opposite of love is not hate; it's indifference, and mm-hmm. I just did not care. It, it's not like I was rushing to turn it off, but uh, it's just I, I I could have cared if it was on or uh, on or not. You did hear about it. You heard people talking oh, about it. I mean, for sure, you heard people sing it. Well, it, you can't deny that it's a catchy hook. Yeah the 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 chorus at least, um, and you know. At the time, this music video was playing constantly and the song was playing constantly when the radio was still a big thing. This song uh, spent a record 15 weeks Mm -hmm. at number one in the Billboard Modern Rock tracks and set that record until Nickelback's How You Remind Me beat it out four years later. So it was uh, it was everywhere. <laughs> you you could not escape this. Um, and he was kind of getting a, uh, some interest in buying the rights to the song um, that went from one hundred thousand dollars to seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. He decided to sell the rights to the first person who offered him a million dollars for the rights to that track and also seven hundred fifty thousand for the next album. Wow. Uh, a week after the song reached the top position on Billboard's Modern Rock tracks, he got three offers for those amounts and sold the rights. So he is not that, attached to this. Yeah. He was just like, here. Yeah. You can have it. Cash in. Do not care. Yeah. And I think he pretty much, you know, says himself, um, the song is fucking dumb. Um, to an extent. I mean, you know, he he's made a bunch of references and there are a number of interviews with him where he says... He would never like to have another song with this amount of popularity. And it effectively killed their career. Hmm. This song just became... Even though there were four follow-up records? Yeah, I would say so, because even though they released all these records, it didn't really do much. Mm-hmm. Nothing nothing reached that cataclysmic... Those heights. That height. Yeah. Um. So I would say... 
I'm glad they're still together. They're still playing shows. Still creating music. Yeah. On their own terms, it seems like, I suppose. And I'm happy for them. Yeah. Let let them do that. If they can do it and they're happy doing it without, you know, working a, a normal job, a working normie job. way into my cabinet shop, then <laughs> exactly. I'm happy. Yeah. Exactly. As long as yeah, if they'd rather do that than work at a bank or, or stay off my radio. <laughs> yes, please. Please and thank you. Um, do we want to talk a little bit about his giant quote as to what this song means? I think it should be addressed now. This is... I do. I'm just going to tell you before I read this giant quote, and this, you, this can be found on Genius. This is slowly watching someone fall apart. This is this is like in Columbo, where he keeps pressing the person, and slowly they just unravel to the point where they're just like, it was me, all right, I did it. Um, when asked what the song is about, he says, it means so many different things. And so many different parts of it came from so many different places. So we're starting off, he's saying, holy cow, guys, this has got so much fucking meaning, you, you wouldn't believe it. It's Depth got, beyond your knowledge. It, it's just infinite and finite, all, all wrapped up in one infinity pool. Even though I wrote it in an hour. <laughs> yeah, where did I get the sex and candy part from? Well, I was dating a girl and she was going to Bryn Mawr College, and it's where my dad teaches. And I was probably 17 or something like that. And she was like 18. I always liked the older girls. (laughs) But we were in her dorm room and her roommate came in and she saw us there. And she was like, oh, it smells like sex and candy in here. Do you buy that story at all? I I guess I have no reason to not believe it. But even I couldn't give I could I couldn't I don't think there's a possibility of me caring less. Mm-hmm, I really fair. don't. I don't care about the song. I don't care. Um, Wikipedia has it's just about seeing some sexy girl and then falling in love. This is a quote well, from we'll, him as well. We'll, we'll get to oh, that I'm here sorry. a little bit in here. Yeah. So she apparently walks in and says, "Oh, it smells like sex and candy in here," which I don't know what that's supposed to smell like, but maybe it's uh, uh. maybe it's some 1990s spray on uh, scent perfume and the smell of uh, a used New feminine condom. deodorant spray sprunt. <laughs> and I always remembered that. And that was back in the late eighties. Oh, so this wasn't the nineties spray stuff. And then when I was <laughs> writing the song and I was coming up with all these weird disco era references that I was making up platform, double suede and all that business. I have issue with that. I was like, Hey, let's just throw in that phrase. that has been sticking in my head for the last five years or whatever. So I wrote that song in 92, 93, somewhere around there, and it didn't really come out until 97. That song had been at least in my consciousness since the late 80s, at least with the concepts behind it. But it's just about seeing some sexy girl and then falling in love Mm. and then asking a dumb question to yourself. Well, it's not even asking a question. It's just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going to be straight up honest. I don't know. I'm telling you, when I was very young, I experimented with drugs, but when I was writing these songs, I wasn't high, but it sounds like I was high. It, the, the bullshit just gets deeper. I'm t- it really does. <laughs> and you can even tell because, you know, you know, like when like little kids lie, like, I don't know if Amelia ever does this, but, you know, when little kids lie, they'll be like, um, and then I was, um, and so I was tired and daddy, did you see what I did at school? It's just kind of like bringing other stuff up to kind of like it's like the verbal version of running uh away from somebody and like moving stuff in their way (laughs) it's like (laughs) pushing a chair over like you know pushing over a dresser or something did you leave the freezer door open (laughs) 
Did you watch Silver Springs last night, Dad? Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. So it, you know, he he come he he starts trying to say that it is a love song. I don't believe it. I don't buy it. His did you read? No, I did not read this. I remember this from the MTV Video News segment with with Kurt Loder. Hi, I'm Kurt Loder. That little bass lick from Megadeth. Yeah, exactly. Peace Cells. Was it Peace Cells? I don't think so. was it Killing's My Business? I'm not sure, but I'm getting off point. I digress to that. Um, His father, who is a psychiatrist or psychologist, Uh, did you read? Mm. He said his father said, I have dissected this and come to the conclusion that it is about masturbating. And about a wet dream. And about a wet in dream, partu- yeah. In particular. Yeah. yeah. Uh, his father, who goes to the aforementioned Bryn Mawr, Bryn Mawr University, apparently in some kind of psychological <laughs> um, section uh, where he's getting inside the brain, uh, watches music video and specifically uh, took it apart, which has to be very weird, uh, talking about your kid, <laughs> uh, saying that it's uh, in Freudian terms seeing it as a representation of mm. a wet dream. He believed the hole uh, that Wozniak's head uh, was in represented the womb, the spider Wozniak's loss of innocence, which he is both afraid of and drawn to, and the puddle at the end of the video to be a symbol for semen. So the I, gang's all here. That's actually kind of close to what I kind of thought when I very first saw it. Well, you do see oh, a bunch of women in, in a puddle of his own jizz. So I guess we'll talk about the music video real quick. There's not a whole lot of lyrics to this fucking song. No. Um, so it won't take us too long. The music video, very, very strange. A lot of people likening it to uh, Salvador Dali. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of thought um, uh, Tom Petty. Don't come around here yeah, a little bit. Of the, checkerboard. The, the checkerboard stuff, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's. I think the the um, the video is slightly more interesting than the song, just slightly. Uh, I thought that the um, that the tarantula probably was a symbol for some sort of sexual anxiety. You know, like he's always looking at it, like oh, it's going to get me, or it's you know he looked at it very anxiously, very scared. I don't know. I don't want to dig into this like his father did because Mark, I really just don't care about this damn song. It's just not that good. Did a bunch of music videos. The um, well, I should not get ahead of myself. Jamie Cleary, the guy who put this video together, did a bunch of other music videos. Not uh, related to Beverly. <laughs> no, but is related to Mario Cleary, who is the drummer of the Wallflowers. Oh shit! And Ozamotley. Um, mm. not sure if he's playing for either of those, but did a music video for Morphine, Early to Bed, I know. Cypress Hill, Boom Bitty Bye Bye. Eels, your lucky day in hell. Cherry pop and daddies. Brown derby jump. Sorry, not not uh, not zoot suit riot. Yeah. Um, and the shins, the rifles spiral. So mm. did it? Co- oh, and I'm sorry. Also soul coughing. Super bon bon. Which jot that one down because that's probably got some dumb fucking lyrics. Uh, to it. Yes. I can, yeah. I can sniff it out. Anyway, the music video is very strange. It appears uh, that the other two, I'm guessing two two other guys who I'm guessing are the other band members come in and they bring in a uh, dresser mm-hmm. and they're like they're moving on lookout around, yeah. and then they're rooting through it and there's apparently a bunch of stuff that apparently means this dude likes to jerk off and come in his sleep. Hooray! Um, it uh, should be mentioned finally that there is a rotate, I mean a, a cavalcade of different uh, band members other than Mr. Wozniak 
Uh, if you look at members now, there just seems to be, a, like I said, I think I mentioned before, a plethora of past members. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guys in the video are undoubtedly not in the band anymore, um, should be noted. I think this is just a Wozniak thing. I, I do have One of them is working at a FedEx Kinko's, and the other one is a uh, part-time busker and part-time server at a small bed and breakfast in Connecticut. In St. Paul, yeah. In St. Paul's. Yeah, because yeah. he hates it's Minneapolis. It's right outside of Minneapolis. I should yeah, mention that my my wife does is more... Uh, does is more. Does is more associated and knowledgeable about this band than I am. She did actually listen to the whole record a lot many years ago. Okay. And there's a, um, a song uh, a, uh, a song on the record called Shelley Frazier that I had heard quite a few times because she does like it. Uh, and she played it, and I heard was it quite a bit. Was released as a single. Shelley Frazier was? Did not do well. Did not do well. It is the name of one of his ex-girlfriends, uh, one that he was close to during the time that most of these songs were written. And by most of these songs, I mean the one from the Marcy Playground record uh, in 1997. Very much reminded me of like in th- that song. It reminds me in a way, and it doesn't shock me, especially after seeing the bands that influenced them, of an early Pink Floyd, Sid Barrett type of, mm. type of thing. Not super complicated, but, but a little strange. Uh, the chord choices and the chord changes are a little weird. But um, that being said, I don't know. Mark, can we do the lyrics? Let's do it. Hanging around downtown by myself, and I had so much time to sit and think about myself, and then there she was. Like double cherry pie, yeah, there she was. Like disco superfly. Well, well, we got to add a little caffeine to this, man. Because if you've heard this song, you know that it will practically put your ass to sleep, especially he these sounds lyrics. like he's drinking. He's sipping on lean. He's <laughs> he's got a little bit of a drawl there. <laughs> that drank hanging around downtown downtown by myself. Um, Mark, just exploring the whole hang down, hang around downtown by myself as a guy that grew up in a downtown area, I can relate slightly. I did hear people sing this, uh, hanging out downtown. And, uh, that's about as deep as I want to go because there's some more, there's some more other things. Uh, I had too much time to sit and sit and, uh, and think about by myself. This is obviously pre-internet. He probably didn't have HBO. Poor him. Now, there is something that comes up on this third line, and that is he had claimed that this song's always just been there and hearkened it back. It's writing back to the 80s. Could Warren's Cherry Pie have been inspiration for that line, like Double Cherry Pie? I don't think so. You don't think so? Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say no. I mean, could it? Is the possibility sure, there? Sure, yeah. sure. I mean, but I think that cherry pie is loved enough universally. Is ubiquitous enough. It's ubiquitous enough that <laughs> someone would just mention cherry pie because okay. they love it. Now, let me counter that question with another question. Please. The fuck is double cherry pie? I have no idea. I, is it like, does that mean more cherries in the cherry pie? I think about... The band that you were in, Strip Club Moms. Okay. And I think about this language that you had and that Doug would sing about um, that, uh, you know, different names for fish. And it was a language, you know, it was a language that you all shared. 
a little bit. Not yeah. just the two of you, but other people. Billy B, the river pimp. I'm smiling big. And other and other such people. Yeah. And and I would come up to you and I'd be like, "What the hell is donk rock? And what is this? <laughs> what is a football donk?" <laughs> and you you would explain it to me, and I'd be like, "How endearing that these guys go fishing and have all these different names for these fish they just made up." That's a wonderful thing. I've always loved that. This is like the evil. This this is the version of that that flew into the Twin Towers. <laughs> this is like there is no story behind it. There is no friends that all spoke this language. This is making up weird words to be weird. There's no rhyme or reason there. You know, I mean, I agree with you that the song starts out basic enough i'm hanging around downtown by myself and i got so much time to sit and think about myself which he's rhyming myself with myself which is already a huge fucking you're, you're i mean you get like three strikes immediately for rhyming myself with myself it's a touch fall and then there she was i'm intrigued mm-hmm. who is she and where is she and how is she? And what does she look like? And she is there like double cherry pie. And I'm like, what? And then there she was. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll finally get a little clarity here. Okay, double cherry pie didn't work out for you. Let me explain again. Yeah, there she was like disco super fly. Now I'm mad. This is a double simile fail. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. yeah. It's like I just made up some cool sounding words. Uh and it's a complete failure. I, I guess maybe it was supposed to catch on. Maybe he wanted for people to go around and be like, Yeah, that girl's like disco superfly. I mean, I know that the movie Superfly came out mm-hmm. around the time that disco was popular. Mm-hmm. I don't care. It has nothing to do with anything. I think it's a bad description of a woman. Uh, yeah, I I really do. I, I mean, because I don't know what to fly. get from Double Cherry Pie and Disco Superfly, other than the fact that they rhyme. Missy Elliott did it better. Yeah, absolutely. Much, much better. She does everything better. Yeah. I smell sex and candy here. Mm-hmm. Who's that lounging in my chair? Mm-hmm. Who's that casting devious stares in my direction? Mama, this surely is a dream. Yeah. Yeah, Mama, this surely is a dream. Dig it. Mark, I have to do it. Seth, I'm begging you, please don't do it. Mark, I have to do it. I have to. Mark, God, it's not a dream, and stop calling me Shirley. I have to. Sorry. Um, You know, okay, automatically... He smit that we hearken to the earlier explanation of girl comes in while they're doing it. Apparently, I don't know. It's it bullshit. And he smells sex and candy here. But were they doing it on a chair? When I bring that, when I see that, the first thing that pops into my head is Archie Bunker. Bunker comes in yelling at Meathead, "Get out of my chair!" Is he, is he fucking Archie Bunker? I mean, I don't. Is anyone fucking Archie Bunker? I don't know, except, well, Edith. Edith. Yeah, Edith. She did at least once in order to make, you know. The daughter. Meathead's wife, yeah, Sally Struthers. Um, And Devious Stairs. Uh, I'm guessing that maybe thinks a little bit more of himself than he should. Is the court, is this a non sequitur? He's talking about being downtown, then all of a sudden he says, 
I smell sex and candy here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. is is that in the same place he is downtown? Well, unless there's a chair just sitting out in a downtown area that's his, you know, and he wants to know who's lounging. That that chair that's his property is just in a downtown area. I mean, we've gone from, uh, are we still in the downtown area or are we going into his living room? Are we at the practice space? The, uh, the, it's, the it's totally genius annotation says Mark. he sees a girl sitting in his chair casting seductive glances at him. The situation seems too good to be true. So he's downtown, not in his chair. No. He was just like up and about, and then he looked, turned around and looked in his chair. I'm sorry. Did you say fuck him? Yeah, I'm kind of. This is this is a. Can we? Why are we wasting our time on this song? To, yeah, I mean, there was. God damn, we had a lot of fun last week, man. This one's just fuck. Uh, Mama, this surely is a dream. Yeah. Yeah, Mama, this surely is a dream. Well, if it wasn't Dig overt it. enough that this is a wet dream according to his father. That's definitely got to be, you know, devious stare she's looking at him, probably looking deep into his eyes as he's dreaming about her. I don't I don't I don't know. He's a fucking dick. Um does it smell like sexy and candy in there because she was having sex with someone else? And is it is it in there does it does the entire downtown area smell like sex and candy? Jesus. What are they on Main Street? Fucking Disney World? <laughs> I will say, I'm with you. I love the fact, and you mentioned this earlier, and I wanted to kind of dig in a little bit, but he's like, I wrote the song in an hour. But it's like, I had this line from the 1980s, and I finished it in 97, and it was with me in 93 and 94. It's like, motherfucker, you've been writing this song oh, for shit, a decade. Man. God. What are you trying to make it sound like it took you one hour to write this piece of fucking garbage? And by the way, I'm not shocked that if you wrote this in an hour. The old, like so if you if one thing I don't know if you've noticed this, all it is is verse chorus verse chorus, and then like a weird verse thing and then it goes right back to the chorus and the chorus goes has one or two endings three endings right four endings. right yes yes that's like how interesting he gets there's with like it. one or two line changes throughout those choruses that's as that's as, as yeah interesting we got as this song gets this surely is a dream yeah surely is a dream yeah. dig it Mama, then it the third one we yeah. get. Yeah, Damn. dig it. Yeah, and then the third one we get. Yeah, dig it. Yeah, yeah. I think or something like that. We'll get there. But this is a a fucking poorly written fucking song. Catchy. Sure. And then you said something. It it it. I can believe that it was written in an hour. And I I think that this song is much closer to actually being have written have being written in that hour. But there are plenty of songs out there that were written in an hour that are far far better, more complex, have more depth, much more rich than this i mean the, the beatles oh. apparently did it you know uh um, paul and, and 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 uh and and john just stared at each other and just apparently just they just jumped right well, out well you brought it up before so i'll bring it up now if you don't know famously warren's cherry pie was not supposed to be on that album i didn't know they were told that they needed to have a hit they r- literally wrote down the lyrics on the back of a pizza box if my memory serves correctly shit. they wrote it in about 15 minutes and became a gigantic song. But the singer, Jamie, uh, his last name is escaping me Jamie right Lane? Jamie Lane. Something like that. Jamie Lane, you're right. I think. Um, was mortified at the fact that Warren, who played a lot of very, very heavy stuff, uh, became known as the Cherry Pie Guy. Yeah. And um, I think killed himself. 
sometime I, no, in the I 2000s. No, I don't think so. No. Well, he's dead. He is? And he had said, um, you know, all I know is that I don't want to be known as the cherry pie guy. Then there was talks about them doing a like a biopic about him. And guess what the name of the movie was? Oh, the working title was. Poor guy. Cherry pie guy. Oh. It's going to be as if they were just like spitting on his grave. As if they were just like fucking his wife with his ashes sitting in a chair next to the bed like some kind of cuckold. <laughs> like some <laughs> Like some kind of ashen cuckold. Oh, God. That's so sad. It's very, very sad. So just a little divergence here, but you're going to like this. I, I guarantee it. Apparently, back when I was in that band, the one that Mark mentioned earlier. Uh, the Warrant. Arm, uh, yes. Uh, as I was, as we were. <laughs> That's my cherry pie. I got to, <laughs> got a smile on I his got face to throw Janie's ashes into the Caloosahatchee. It was my job. No, it, apparently our guitar player was hanging out at a bar on an island not far from where we downtown are. Downtown by himself? Downtown by himself. And Janie Lane, the singer, uh, introduced himself to a group of people and he hung out with him and came back and wow. hung out and they partied at my friend's house for a while. This was like maybe 2002, 2003. And uh, a couple of friends were there and I was like, are you sure it was him? And they were like, Man, it looked and sound, and he acted like it, and he was hammered the entire time. So I have no reason to not uh, believe it. But, yes, it is Janie Lay Lane, and apparently he passed away in 2011. Janie, my apologies. Janie Lane, Janie. Yeah. Janie. Janie's got a gun. Yeah, uh, Janie Lane, uh, not, not, I repeat, the cherry pie guy. No. So much, so much more than that. Uh, uh, now we have to go back to talking about this shit song. All right. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. We've, we've diverged enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hanging around downtown by myself, and I've had too much caffeine, and I was thinking about myself, and then there she was. In platform double suede, yeah, there she was. Like disco lemonade. I love how he thinks that he probably thinks that these descriptions are so super clever. I want you to know, Seth, I've been sitting here this whole episode waiting to hear what you have to say about platform double suede because you, you like said you had it? issues. Oh, please. Oh, I, yeah. Yes. yeah. When I heard that, the first thing I immediately thought was George Costanza. If I could live my life head to toe in, in suede, I would. And then later on in the episode, you see him in the episode of Seinfeld. He's wearing uh, um, complete suede. And this came out around the same time. This came. I I couldn't help but think that you know if he didn't lift the cherry pie line from Warrant, this this line probably got lifted. I'm guessing. Maybe I don't know. It was around the same time as the Seinfeld episode. I'd live the rest of my life head to toe in suede. When he shows up later in the episode in a suede jumpsuit. Mm. Yeah. Yep. That's that's the issue. Well, that's, yeah. and that's fine. Yeah. Uh, so once again, do you think this is a separate time that he's hanging around downtown by himself? I don't, Mark. And next week on Lyrics to Go, get something with substance, something of can't even buy, can't even be bothered. There's to, gonna be this to is like a about a, it. This is a hatred index at the end of this one, man. I really, <laughs> I'm coming to really not like this song at all. It's it sucks. The thing is, is that he's he's so uh, you know blasé about everything. Does and a then, lot of thinking about himself, huh? Yes, you ain't fucking kidding. And then all of a sudden, from out of nowhere, makes the announcement. That uh, he's had too much caffeine. Sure as fuck doesn't sound like it. And he was thinking about himself, which 
which tracks, you know, that I mm. think that it, that is, you know, I'm I can't, I'm coming up with these really clever similes that I just can't wait to crowbar into a song this weekend, guys. Maybe that's why I had so many personnel changes. They're like, it's not that cool. If you had to guess, what's Disco Lemonade? Maybe maybe the pee-pee? Okay. Maybe the, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Pee-pee with glitter in it? I'm it, not sure. Interesting. Yeah. I My thought was maybe some kind of... So, I won't mention his name here, because I don't know if that would be a good idea um, with the story I'm about to tell. There was a guy that used to hang out locally um, who had moved here, and... Um, he he came here from like Iowa or something, some place out there, some more flyover state. Yeah, um, and would talk about how he and his friends would get a jug of lemonade and add and like dump some out and add Everclear to it, mm-hmm. and it would be like a communal drink. Everybody would just take it and like gulp, mm-hmm. and they would get absolutely wasted. So one year for New Year's Eve, he brought this jug of lemonade and he was like the only person drinking it like no one else was fucking everybody was having like beer you know fucking mixed drinks or whatever so this man's sitting here with a gallon of lemonade and everclear mixed and got very very drunk hit on the woman who was throwing who's hosting the party um and then shot himself in the head with a bb gun and then went upstairs and cried that's what I think Disco Lemonade is. <laughs> when I hear Disco Lemonade, I think of lemonade with some kind of either alcohol or maybe even like acid in it or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, I thought you were going to say that's what I think it is, weeping in shame by yourself. That's this, Disco that's Lemonade. That's what the song is. <laughs> that's, what, that's, that's Disco Lemonade. That's this song. Yeah. Um, yeah, platform double suede. Uh, too much caffeine. Costanza, caffeine... Downtown, nineteen ninety seven. Downtown, too much coffee. It just—it's very nineteen nineties. It's very isn't cliche. It? it is very cliche nineties. Yeah. Very friends. Mm. Um, I smell sex and candy here. Mm-hmm. Who's that lounging in my chair? Mm-hmm. Who's that casting? Devia stares in my direction. Mama, this surely is a dream. Yeah. Yeah, Mama, this surely is a dream. Dig it. Yeah, Mama, this surely is a dream. Yeah. And then it just does the bomb, 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 bomb. I smell sex and candy again. So it does the whole chorus, but this time when it ends, it does the yeah, mama, this surely is a dream. Yeah. Yeah, mama, this surely is a dream. Dig it. Yeah, mama, this surely is a dream. Yeah. Yeah, mama, this must be my dream. My dream is how and he then, ends it. Yep. And, and then just the notes peter off and who gives a fuck? Why? Why was I subjected to this? What kind of torture is this? And then you can thank God and wait for Harvey Danger to come on. I do want to say the one thing I can say is I guess that I'm glad that he in his in that interview earlier he says that he always went for the older girls because it's about time we got somebody here who's not going for the fucking younger ones. Uh it seems like every time we talk about a fucking song uh where some dude is singing it it's, Christine 16. Yeah, yeah. you just yeah. pick one. 
Um, we did listen to a cover of this uh, by Maroon 5. As mentioned earlier, neither of us very moved by it. Can't say it helped much. No. Uh, apparently there was another co- <laughs> a cover by a band called Slot Thrust. Uh, no, Slot Thrust, who, which we did not listen to, but I am a big Slot Thrust fan. It's not Slot Thrust? No, no, no. Okay. Slot Thrust. Slot Thrust, okay. I would have uh, liked Slot Thrust a little more, <laughs> I think. Three-piece indie band. Okay. Um, actually heard them uh, from a skate video. Um, and pretty big fan of theirs. I have not listened to their version yet because I want to maintain uh, some respect. <laughs> some respect. I'd like them. to hold them in some sort of regard, not being bad for the rest of the time that I know who they are. There are tons and tons and tons of quotes. Can we not about uh, the song? Uh, Wozniak also said, "If you listen to that song, it's pretty clear it wasn't written to be a hit." It's just a quirky, weird little song, um, which I agree with. Uh, does not sound like it was meant to be a hit, um, God. but it still, uh, d- you know, still happened for whatever reason. Uh, there are, as I mentioned before, a bunch of people who thought the song was Nirvana for whatever reason. Uh, lyrics were described as nonsensical. Um, a journalist said. That listeners try hard to find meaning in the track's seemingly meaningless lyrics. He added that, quote, nobody, including the songwriter, really knows what it's about. I think that is absolutely correct. Yeah, absolutely. That's the, if anybody hit the nail on the head, that's it this week. Um, lots of people that it's their favorite song ever. Lots Ugh. of people dissecting it. They all want to be his dad and try and do some sort of you know, Freudian take on everything that he's doing. Um, an abundance of those. Somebody says this is a song about a hooker whose breath smells that's obvious. Who's that lounging in my chair? I mean, just this song has caused this song's more problematic than a lot that we've done. Yeah. I I, mean, in that in that it's it's wasting a lot of fucking time. The fact that sex and candy are listed together gives off a lot of uh, pedophile overtones. Meter goes up big and it goes up big. Now, I'm not I don't think that he's a pedophile. But I think he probably should have thought a little bit about, you know, the free candy spray paint on the side of a van and sex. Chuck Eddy of Rolling Stone gave the song a less enthusiastic review, calling it, quote, an unappetizing artificial sweetener marriage of down tempo Nirvana chords and greasy Dave Matthews fret minstrel (laughs) sensitivity. Nathan Smith of the Houston Press put it on a list of the publication's least favorite one-hit wonders, calling it, quote, one of the most despicable hits of the 90s because it, quote, refuses to rock and it refuses to go away. I hated it the first time I heard it, and I hate it now. I will die hating it. <laughs> so those are a couple of people that feel about it. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm, I'm on, sort of I'm the on way board with those guys. You know, if we can come away from an episode where I take a song that I'm completely indifferent about it and wind up hating about it, I, I, hating it, I, I call that a win, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a win for them. Another interesting thing, this song uh, is so famous. The song did so well and was so successful that it had its own accountant. <laughs> there was like an accountant specifically wow. for this song. Um, the, uh, the head promotion people at Capitol Records... Um, felt that Sex and Candy's ubiquity hurt the band's career. 
uh, which I agree. MTV News, as we were mm. talking about them before, called the song a career killer. Um, Wozniak said that while he was pleased that the track became a quintessential 90s moment, he was flabbergasted and overwhelmed by its success, hmm. adding that he would not want to produce another hit song of comparable popularity, which I think is easy to say when it's, you tried to and wasn't weren't able to. That's like me. It's like, you know, it's like uh, hitting a home run and being like trying to a bunch of times and being like, I don't want to hit one. It's boring. <laughs> you do it once. You don't want to do it again. So many times uh, you and I both listen to a lot of music podcasts. And so many times in the last month and a half have I heard people saying or saying, uh, what's the worst thing for a small independent label? What's the worst thing to happen to somebody's career? A hit. And this is probably the best example, maybe, that we've done on this show of it's just it's probably ruined the band. Hell, the guy's last three records could have been fantastic for all we know. But um, the fact that you and I know so much or had, were so indifferent about it uh, from the beginning put us off of it. And like I just said, I, I, it went from being one that I just didn't care about to one that I just can't stand. And uh, now I don't want to, you know, know follow up in any way. One last real quote that I want to read. Nathan Smith of the Houston Press. This is a real quote. Stated, Sex and Candy was perfect crossover music as its edgy sexual lyrics were suitable enough for rock radio while it was still, quote, pussy enough for adult contemporary. <laughs> uh, well, we don't always listen to every rock journalist out there can't take them as gospel that first guy hit the nail on the head though jesus yeah i think it was from rolling stone one time they got it right the song was also uh featured on uh zoe's extraordinary playlist uh an episode mm. of workaholics and also zach and miri make a porno mm. let's go ahead and uh i don't think i have anything else to to offer this i don't, don't want i want to move right to creep factor and find out what we and, do next week yeah yeah um I, I went last week. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, well, uh, you know, it's definitely horny. There's, it's horny all over the place. I, I, you know, the dad said, I think this is about a wet dream, uh, or the music video at least is. And I don't think that, um, that Mr. Wozniak ever went out and said it's not. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I don't really, I don't really know. <sighs> it, it, it's, creepy it's weird it's not super creepy though we don't really get much context in the woman other than like he looked at her and she and he thinks that she's hot but we don't know if he approaches her or if it's I, I i guess it's a dream you know we're kind of left you know in this uh this is uh you know we we hear that it must be a dream it must be my dream we never find out if he's talking about like a metaphorical dream or an actual dream <sighs> I'm going to give it a I'm going to give it a two six. Uh, it's you know, I think it's mostly limp. He he does nothing to her. It's just it's weird. And, and the sex and candy together, even though I'm pretty sure there are no pederast overtones, um, still spikes the radar a little bit. You are correct in that it is limp, despite the caffeine references and being buzzed up. Uh, the the fact that the song is called Sex and Candy um, raises the meter and immediately I'm going to put it at, uh, because of that. And I'm not finished. Uh, the two that you gave it, the two point, what five, 2.6, 2.6 that you gave it. Um, I, I'm going to just the name alone is going to raise it to that for me. But when you stack on a couple of extra things, the overall tone, 
um, the eeriness of it, which I do like to include that in my creep factors now these days. Um, when you add that to it and then on top of everything, you load and pile on the amounts of bullshit and garbage explanations about the motivations for the song just gives me a bad feeling about it, which is going to raise this one to me for a firm 4.3. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we're coming up on a very special month. Here we go. Now it's something good. We've been, we've been, we've had this idea. um, Since the beginning. Since, since the beginning. Yeah. Because if there's one song, if there's one, one song that you're going to talk about, it's going to be the song we're going to start this month off with when you think of lyrics that are questionable at best. Can um, you can you give me a second? When <laughs> sure. we started, when we started this show and I was explaining it to people that I know, and I was doing that a lot at the time, I would have to say that in 50% of the conversations, and there were probably 30 of them, the first thing out of their mouths was this song. We're going to be starting. We're going to be. We're going to be unveiling Police Prill. This is an all police month. They've got plenty of questionable lyrics. Gordon Sumner's got some weird stuff upstairs. I will be referring to him as Gordon Shumway. <laughs> Please do <laughs> for the entire four weeks. <laughs> um, and you know it's all been okay because poppy music, but. When you start peeling back some of these layers, a very gross onion mm. uh, shines its ugly face. And the first song we'll be doing is Every Breath You Take by the Police. That's it. Um, this is a killer way to start off Police Pearl. I don't, will we ever dedicate a whole month to a band again? I don't know. Uh, but as we've kind of teased, we got three songs just right off the rip yeah. that we uh, know that we are going to do. Um, you know, and these might be a little leaner episodes cause we're not, you know, maybe what we'll do is, I don't know, Mark. Well, 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 maybe what we'll do is just go through certain aspects of the band's career each episode. Okay. But, that's, that's actually what I was going to talk to you about. Yeah. But, uh, but yes, so we are very, very excited to unveil police pro and, uh, and take you on a journey of terrifying, uh, songs, um, that, uh, this band, uh, will, will take you on. Um, this trip, this journey that this band will invite you on their boat, <laughs> take you ashore, take you adrift, and maybe never let you off. It's time to party. It's time to party hardy. Yeah. So this make- is going to be, we're going to have a go through, go into a catalog, so to speak. And uh, it's going to be. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. I really. Stuart really Copeland, am. Andy Summers. Gordon Sumner, a.k.a. Sting. Gordon Shumway. <laughs> the three-piece powerhouse trio doubling as a fucking weird incel group <laughs> in the hit rock band The Police. So listen to every breath you take, um, and we will be back next Monday to start Police Pro on Lyrics to Go. Thanks a lot for listening. Our theme song was done by Exploding Pages. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for songs or lyrics, 
you can send them to lyrics to go pod at gmail.com. We'll be back here next week. <laughs>